0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by FullScale.io. Okay.
1: And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. It's the Matt and Matt show today. So we got Matthew Curtis here, and of course, me. So welcome back to the Matt and Matt show. Uh, Matthew Curtis is here from Insight Voice. He's going to be giving us an update today on ChatGPT and OpenAI and, and uh, his growth uh, this year. He was on the podcast before. Uh, I'm not sure if he is also interviewing for the job of CEO at OpenAI. We're, we're going to talk to him about that because we don't know who the CEO is anymore. Um, before we get started, though, I do remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Gusto. If you're a startup, this is for you. I want to tell you all about Gusto. Gusto built an easier and more affordable way to manage payroll, benefits, and more. They help over 300,000 businesses take the pain and tasks like automated payroll tax filing, direct deposit, health insurance, 401k, onboarding tools, you name it. All the crap you don't want to do. Gusto makes it easy, Matt. You need Gusto. And they really care about the small business owners they work with. You get three months free if you go to gusto.com slash startup hustle. Again, that's gusto.com slash startup hustle or click the link in the show notes. Matt, welcome to the Matt and Matt Show.
0: Gusto's awesome. Uh been a big fan of them for a while. I, I think we were one of their first users at a previous company. Oh really? Wow. That's cool. Yeah, they're a, they're a, they're another YC <laughs> company and they 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 do good work. So highly ah. recommend.
1: So did you get? Did you get an offer to be CEO of OpenAI? That was my first no, no, question. it was.
0: You. It was. It was all YAC people within the the drama, right? So like, I uh, the Airbnb Brian Chesky was involved. Um, the Twitch founder, another YC yeah. These are all Sam's friends. Like that's that's the thing about this. Like all the players that got moved in and out, were all like really good friends with Sam. So he he had the deck stack for him. Mm.
1: Well, they were all CEO for about one hour each, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is like, uh, uh, what, they probably was <laughs> longer negotiating their comp package than they actually spent being the CEO.
1: That that was a whirlwind adventure. Uh, we're recording this like around the 1st of December, but uh, it was you know it's a couple of weeks ago now, but it was a crazy, crazy thing. And I'm not sure what time this will air, but um, yeah, for those of us who remember the, the whole controversy of that, it was like over the course of a weekend, right? It was like a yeah. really crazy ordeal
0: yeah I got, I got sucked into the the, the Twitter debate and uh, that became like PR drama. The best take on it is that like uh, a show about uh, Silicon Valley uh, boardroom struggles would work like like everyone <laughs> everyone was interested, right? So if you were going to do that, that, that could be like the next shark tank there.
1: There's definitely a, a episode of HBO' Silicon Valley somewhere that probably relived these moments, I'm sure. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah that, was, that was always a good one. Um, yeah, but it's it's good. You know, uh, what's really nice about running an AI company now, though, is that like um, in in a certain sense, uh, a lot of these functions are being commoditized. There's a lot of different options that you can plug in. Um, to a lot, a lot of competitors, a lot of competitors. So I spent I spent my weekend reading Twitter and. We're uh, our API so that we had redundancies just in case something like stayed wrong. So for our Twitter integration, we we we, we integrated with Grok. For um, some of the other ones, we went over to Google and integrated Bar just as backup systems. So from a like from a building on AI platforms, I had a lot of questions like, "Oh my gosh, are you going to go down? Is this going to affect it?" And it was it's like pretty easy to put in redundancies. Well, and that and that was a realistic thing, right? You like two in the morning, there
1: is. You know, signatures from 700 out of the 750 employees, or whatever the numbers are exactly, at yep. OpenAI that were all ready to go work at Microsoft or ready to quit if they didn't re, you know, fire the board or whatever. And like, so you as a business owner, you're like, what the hell am I going to do? Like, is yeah, OpenAI? I said,
0: AI I said, uh, at- I, said uh, I told my wife Katrina, I said, hey, I'm working this weekend, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, attach some attach some extra APIs to this just in case something goes wrong. Um. Yeah. When you have a board member who says like the mission of the company can be realized by burning down the company, like you, you got to You got to move.
1: That. Yeah. That. That's crazy. And so you were supposed to spend all weekend with your chickens and your your goats and stuff, right?
0: Yeah. 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 The goats getting bred right now, so uh, we we're we were, <laughs> we we're making that happen.
1: It's a good weekend for the goat.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's a good weekend for the goat.
1: <laughs> so. How how hard was it to integrate with Bard?
0: Was yeah, it much so it, different? Like all of the, like you, these are like world-class companies, right, who are building world-class a- API integrations and with like ChatGPT, you can like literally put it in there and we're, we're going to talk about this is like building a um a custom ChatGPT. So we integrated our code that builds I just added my code into there that has uh the code for the integrating the APIs and I asked it to search from BARD's API list. And I said, Hey, make me the code for this. And it did (laughs) built an integration into his competitor. Um, And I hooked it up and tested it and it worked. Like the only thing I had to do was go get API keys. And so, um, you know, it's, it's so ridiculously easy. Once you have the infrastructure in place to make modifications in your code today, you're always talking about this on LinkedIn. Is that like, it's knowing what you're doing, knowing the purpose for which you're driving your your software development and all of that. Yeah. And like AI can do that. It's it's the management and the and the setup and the big term decision making that's really important today.
1: I love that you go to ChatGPT and you're you write this great, beautiful prompt, right? And it's like, I currently use ChatGPT. The board is a bunch of idiots. I need to re- I need to switch from using Chat BG, Chat GPT to Bard. How do How do I change my code?
0: Yeah, and it tells you like <laughs> that's a good decision. You should definitely have redundancies in <laughs> here. Like it's yeah, it's good. But the for, and, and like we're staying with um, using Grok because specifically for Twitter, it writes better tweets than Chat GPT. Bard comes really close. Like, with the with uh, with the. Come close to writing better blogs, but once you can integrate and like give it good examples of what blogs look like with ChatGPT, it still writes better blogs with ChatGPT.
1: Well, and so that brings up great points. So now that you know, these are the moments in time you're like, you know, you back three weeks ago, you're like, I would never use anything besides OpenAI. Why would I even consider it? I love OpenAI, and now you're like. Well, I actually spent a couple hours looking at Bard, and it's pretty damn good. You pretty know, good. the grass looks greener over there and now. All of a sudden, maybe I should use Bard.
0: Well, and the great thing as right? a startup is that each of these companies will give you credits, right? So they'll give yeah. like we're, we're we're still working on like twenty five thousand dollars worth of free credits from OpenAI, but we just picked up a bunch more for Bard. We picked up a bunch more uh, for Grok. So like, um, you know, it, it, from a cost perspective, when you're when you're small and you're uh, you know trying to be capital efficient, it's really nice
1: so tell us more about grok so it is the name of the, the x x ai from elon musk the name of that company is called what x zero or something like that i
0: have no idea there's so many letters he loves his no letters. it's called
1: x it's called xai.com i think
0: okay. It. Yeah, it's okay yeah, yeah
1: but it's but it's like i think it's free if you're a twitter premium but i Correct. haven't actually been able to use it yet like i don't know if i can actually use it yet
0: yeah. Um, we had to like send in a request to get access to it, but it was, it was a fairly easy process. So I'm assuming that you are able to do that as well. What it does really well is it pulls real-time data from Twitter. So if you're a Twitter user, like uh, you are providing the, um, the context that, uh, that Grok is using to customize its tweets. So what it does specifically well, you know, uh, X's or X or Twitter or whatever is excellent at getting real-time information. So if you're building a bot to deal with real-time information Um, it is like specifically excellent at that. And then also for formatting things for tweets, it's also really good at because it brings in the contextualization of like this kind of tweet does well. Whereas in chat GPT is a little bit further away from that, um, you know, Elon's really blocked their access to Twitter or X or whatever. So uh, it doesn't give as good data about that. And their data is like really two years old. So what goes better in a tweet? You know, this with like creating LinkedIn and creating blog, the format yeah, yeah. of the post is so important. So the closer yeah. you can get to what's working now is uh, really going to help you. So uh, yeah, that, that, that improves our is, Twitter integration a lot.
1: This is exciting because I need to build an AI bot to know where Taylor Swift is. Yeah. Now, Probably. In I, know you're th- I know what you're thinking, Watson, you're a crazy Swifty. What, what is the deal? We live in Kansas City. We have the Taylor Swift magnet known as Travis Kelsey. Yeah. He, he lives 4,000 feet from me in the next neighborhood. Like, I know wow. exactly where his house is. Like, I could walk there in a couple minutes. So, we need to know when Taylor Swift is here. Like, everybody so wants to know.
0: Your uh, traffic to avoid the paparazzi?
1: Yes. Well, well, it's in a gated community. So okay. that's why he bought the house. Yeah. But, um, you know, we need to know like when we go down the golf course and we're going to blare Taylor Swift music or something like <laughs> we, we need to know.
0: I heard a but, uh, uh, I heard a Johnny Cash AI version of Taylor Swift the other day. And it was very good. I would play that one.
1: There's a lot of crazy AI stuff in music these days too. Um, yeah, that is really cool about Grok. And like I said, I, I see Elon posting about it and different things and it was going to be available to the Twitter members, but I haven't actually got my hands on it yet, but that's really cool that it's optimized for real time and Twitter. And then did you, did you see over the weekend there was all this, you probably, you follow a lot of this. So did you see this crap about the trolley problem or whatever? And about how would you make a racial, would you, would you make a racial slur or would you kill a billion people? And ChatGT, GPT was like, well, you know, it's up to you to decide if you should kill a billion people or not. Like there was no common sense of like, of course, we don't kill a billion people. Yeah. But Grok was like, oh, no, of course, we don't kill a billion people.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's the different culture. Like um, the, the thing is, is that obviously the AI is built upon similar premises, but the like open AI is uh, more sensitive to the DEI stuff and so they're adding they're adding in the front loading of like here's what here's what we can't say in order to show up and press bad badly and so they're they're putting in rules and logic on top of their ai their ai independently would not make that irrational decision so it's like um elon musk does not care about the third rail at all like he loves touching the third rail that's his favorite rail to touch so like um but a lot of these are other other ones are are um designed not designed within their systems completely but there's like a layer of design on top of these systems that says yeah, don't have to the safety right. layer yeah which is like yeah um you know there, there's pluses and minuses to that but like um if obviously it making it's, it is
1: all stupider though like it feels like the same education people are getting in schools now it's, it's like it's
0: just, that's the thing that's the thing right like so this is what you're going to get at harvard too right They're, they like you you might get an a for that paper at, at like one of these elite institutions, because they have they have a lot of this this same logic built into them as well. So I'm not sure that it really changes the outcome of that.
1: Uh, I just thought it was funny. That was like the trolley problem. You can probably go search on Twitter for the trolley problem, or whatever. But but that yeah. but that was the essence of you asking the AI like do I make a racial slur and if I if I do it or I don't do it otherwise a billion people will die and somebody went to all the different AI systems and asked it the same question or whatever yeah and that's like a um, classic
0: philosophical question of like we have two bad things that are happening how do yeah. you how do you try to choose between the two bad outcomes I think uh, oh like killing a billion people is a really bad one a racial slur is bad not the same as killing a billion people though
1: yeah but we're but we're teaching the AI that it's just crazy. Yeah, but, and that um, comes
0: down to like how likely is it AI is going to take over the world? And I'm probably in the camp of like, um, it's really good for this sort of like writing. It's really good for this sort of content creation stuff. Uh, I don't see it taking over the world. But I'm not as smart as these people who are actually making the AI.
1: Well, and so part of the rumors around what happened with ChatGPT was with OpenAI. Was they're trying to build this like artificial general intelligence, right? And then they something came out that like maybe the day or two that this happened, did they uh, stumble upon the ability to do this? And it was called Q Star, whatever was the project name. And is that really a thing? And and then of course Elon Musk made fun of it and called it QAnon, which I thought was kind of hilarious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I, I mean, I, I know some, I know some people there, and like, I I just don't think they're there. Like, I like they they would launch it like that's the kind of company they are uh yeah i don't know i don't know i i i tend to i tend to think that um it's really good at repeating like aggregating words and giving them context. it's like a parrot it's it's, 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 it's like, like a, a really parrot. Good parrot it takes in all this information and it gives the the best guess of the next word um and, like, maybe there's, like, a 1% chance of, of you know, it controlling the world and all of that. And that's what people are aggregating into their risk profiles. They're saying, if there's a 1% chance of this totally destroying the world, then we should act according to that at this earlier stage. But none of the cautions that we're putting in at the earlier stage are going to, like, actually change the outcome, which doesn't make sense to me. So, um, yeah. It, but, well,
1: but- the most... The most terrifying part of it to me isn't the artificial general intelligence. Like if that really happened, yeah, that's pretty crazy. But I mean, if I also get like the world's perfect robot to do my laundry, I'm also okay with it. Yeah. I I, I, I might be okay with it, even though the robot might kill me. Hopefully it's got the three the three laws and I don't get killed. But um, <laughs> the the even scarier thing to me is the AI around images and video, yeah. right? Like we we live in a world now, if you go on Instagram and stuff, I want. It feels like I don't know if it's ten percent, twenty percent, fifty percent of the pictures you see are of these AI models and and all this stuff. That are, none of it's real, and we were our world is getting flooded in ads, like ads that you see on Facebook, like all these ads. Like these models are not real.
0: Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think it's, uh, I think that is a problem, but it is sort of, again, is a stepwise problem. Like we basically went from a world where we saw the people around us and interacted with the ideas around us to a world where we saw like Instagram is like designed to like suck your attention in by showing like yeah. really good people. Like you didn't see those in your day-to-day world normally. And so like you were getting sucked in anyway. So this like steps it up another 10% by having fake people there. Uh, you should but probably there's so many for your life in general anyways so like you know what i mean but there's
1: so many nefarious like really evil uses for this right like sure. some 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 kid in high school could take pictures of some girl feed it yeah. into there and now next thing you go you have like naked videos porn pictures of some girl that looks like her because you've trained the ai to make it look like her like yeah. imagine that's your your daughter or whatever right yeah or yeah that's like crazy. But, yeah, and and then how does how does some website, let's say it's like Reddit or or X or whatever, police that? Like, how do they say, oh, we don't allow that kind of content? How would they even police that? How, yeah, how, how yeah, would I mean, you process the, those videos?
0: Yeah, the, the the logical answer, which a lot of people aren't going to like, is that you allow a lot less um, scandalous uh, activity on there in general, right? Like, you don't. Yeah, like, which which would which would um uh, get rid of a lot of that for the for in terms of like, you know, seeing your daughter naked or whatever, <laughs> like half naked or whatever. Um but yeah, no, it's great it, it cra- like,
1: crazy AI stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, um, you know, they're I can't remember what the company was, but they do like unbelievably good uh AI video editing. It's more animations yeah. and stuff, but like um that's that's true of every advance in communication right is that we have these sort of pitfalls that like things can go wrong and people can use them for nefarious uh purposes i think ultimately like trust in individuals goes up in these sort of situations you you focus more on who to follow and like um there there are nodes of truth that'll show up in your network that you've just got to kind of latch on to and that's 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 kind of the way it's always been like you know, back in the day of Ben Franklin, when they were writing newspaper articles, like you could write things that were untrue. And, but you, oh, yeah, you, 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 get, you got attached to people who were telling the truth. And this is why, as like an influencer or, so, or someone who's talking about your company, like the more truth you can tell, the better you're going to be in five years because there's, like everyone's going to latch on to people who tell the truth and tell really good advice.
1: Well, Matt, do you want to know what fellow founders say about Gusto? I do. They say, That they now think of payroll as a 30-second job. That the website is friendly. It's a joy to use. And that Gusto has the best support team. Whenever something comes up, you can reach out, and literally less than 24 hours later, it's handled. Smart technology and friendly humans. That is cool. Right now, our listeners can get three months free if they go to gusto.com slash startup hustle. That's right, three months free, benefits, admin, HR, payroll, all this stuff gusto.com slash startup hustle or click the link in the show notes so matt tell us about how things are going with inside voice with your company so we had you on here i don't know if it was three months ago six months ago i don't remember how long ago it was now. i think it was
0: yeah i think it was and- like six i think it was like six months ago um you know the, the phases of uh startups are are like you get this initial rush of excitement right because you you have this idea of a product and you can call a couple of your friends and they get really excited about it. And then there's this trough of sorrow, right? Where you're, where you're kind of figuring it out. Your product breaks a little less. Um, we're through the trough of sorrow. We we've got like, we went from like, we think everyone's going to be able to use our product and it's going to really help them. Um, we've narrowed it down to relationship businesses, uh, people who have to sell themselves and who are being brought in to apply their knowledge to specific situations. So coaches, consultants, real estate agents, churches, um, those people who have to have a, uh, like a, a presence, a, a self-presence out there. Um, and then then there's these, uh, the next part of a startup is the Wiggles of Hope. Have you seen this chart, Matt?
1: No. Uh, okay, so it's,
0: it's like a famous YC. It's, like the- it's, a, it's a YC chart in like Wiggles of Hope where things start to work and then like, they kind of plateau and then other things start to work. And so we're, we're in the wiggles of hope of a startup where we're like, we're getting users. We've got over 200 users who are using our product on a monthly basis. Um, they're getting good uh, action and, and attraction and, and they're referring us, which is really what you want to see in an early startup. Um, now we're got to kind of figure out the channels of, of how to grow. You know, do we invest in uh, advertising on podcasts? Do we invest in like a community? Do we invest more in our newsletter? um trying to make those trade-off decisions is where we're at right now but uh yeah folks are folks are using the product a lot and um it's you know we got to get through this next hurdle
1: when i google wiggles of growth i just find the
0: wiggles wiggles of hope okay wiggles of growth
1: <laughs> oh wait hang on it's probably still the wiggles
0: yeah it's probably still the wiggles oh,
1: okay so have, should look i up have the trough of before.
0: sorrow because that's that i think that's, yeah. that will we'll cue it off better
1: I've, I've seen a few different charts like this, uh, this, you know, one one of those versions and the, the problem when you release anything new is you reach out to all your friends and family and, you know, naturally like 5% of them or whatever will be like, yeah, I'm interested in what you're doing. Tell me more. And yeah, you get, you know, you get some early adopters and then you kind of run out of that network, right? You're like, okay, I already signed up all the people I know. How do I, how do I get past this? And all of a sudden it gets like really hard. Like that's where you hit that trough of like disillusionment or all the different names they call this but so are you at the bottom of the trough
0: no no i think we're out of the trough because we're seeing like area yeah yeah so we have we had a couple like influencers who like happen to really like our product that they were they're sharing it out and so we're getting some like trickles of growth there which is really good um there's nothing better than like a recommendation of someone who uses your product and values it um But then it's like looking at those channel partnerships. You know, we've got a product that costs like $50 a month. You know, when we think about like uh, for startups, like pricing is really important for how you can grow. Um, So we've got some big channel partnerships that we're working on. Those take a little bit of time, um, but they've got, you know, tens of thousands or millions of users that could use our product if we can pull this off. But then also you want to have other channels of like just focusing on your SEO, make sure you're answering the questions that your customers have so that when they have these issues, they can come and find you, Uh, which thankfully our product does a lot of that but that sort of SEO strategy, that content marketing strategy, it takes it takes some months and um, so we're just waiting for that to bear fruit.
1: So let's talk about that for a minute. So you've been trying these different like go-to-market strategies, partnerships, SEO, different ways to sell the product. Have you figured out which one quite works the right way and and how you like put you know go 100% in on that one or you're still kind of dabbling in like three or four of these things?
0: Um, we're still, we're still dabbling, right? So I would say the influencer one works out pretty well. Um, you know, uh, we've been like, uh, a key concept in startups is CAC to LTV. Um, right. a lot of like really high funded startups will just not worry about this and they'll just throw money at a problem and try to do that. We're truly, we have our, our product costs 50 bucks. We're saying everyone's like most of our users, uh, like our retention is really, really high. So that's good. Um, but we're saying right now we want to get a customer for under two hundred dollars all in for them to join the, the product in order to be a uh, really successful. So, um, with with some of our influencers, like they're they're doing it for free, but we can say um, with them and their very specific niche, we would be down at one hundred twenty five dollars. So, if the problem with influencers though is that it's not like a YouTube ad or it's not like uh, blogs or anything like that, it's a really little bit hit or miss, right? So. I, I, we're, that's something we're gonna we're trying to double down on and and do that. Um, but we're also we're also trying to find other ways. I also think that there's got to be a community aspect to our product long term, and and we're still trying to figure out how to bring people in and have people support each other.
1: So have you figured out how to work with potential marketing agencies so they're doing all the hard work for you, like they're doing all the the selling of it?
0: No, we haven't. We haven't. We haven't done that. And that's and that's maybe um somewhere we'll go eventually but like the first six months was really figuring out who our icp was going and engaging a marketing agency before you really understand your icp Mm -hmm. understand why like not just why they're buying from you but who's re who's 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 in the high retention gap and who is going to actually talk to their friends about this those are the users you really need to get i think it's i think it's um to work with a marketing agency before that is not effective. We did start trying to sell our uh product, you know this. We started to try to sell our product into marketing agencies. And that's um, what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So that was really ineffective, right? So all <laughs> of them were all of them were really excited for it. Um, but they they like gave pretty soft recommendations into their customers, right? They didn't they Um, and that could be like our, our market, like our market positioning to them. And we weren't giving them enough information to feed to their customers to get them to sign up. Um, but it ended up being like a high, uh, a high sales activity without, um, without getting like all the users that we were getting from, from other channels.
1: Well, and part of your challenge could be the price point. So for example, for, for full scale, I've been talking to a couple of different marketing companies, potentially to help us. They charge $200 an hour to do anything. Yeah, And so if I'm a marketing agency, I'm like, oh, this Insight voice thing is cool. We think our clients could use it. It only costs $50 a month. But they're like, how do I make any money off of this? We build $200 an hour. We need to build like a whole bunch of hours. This thing is $50. How do we, how does it help them make money? Right. And that's where it's got to be like a win-win for everyone involved. Yeah. So it's like your challenge, like...
0: And the couple that have worked out successfully, we've white-labeled it for them um, because they don't want their customers to see the price tag. Um, But it is really beneficial for marketing agencies because what they get, their primary value with working with us is that they have to spend like 9 or 10 hours on the phone with their customers in order to know enough about their product, in order to um go out there and sell it so they'll have some like lower tier clients that they wouldn't be able to serve and they just say hey input all of your information in voice because what we do is we give them the questions yeah and they come in the air them that works really well for the marketing agency as well um but yeah it is it is a little bit of like a conflict of interest like th- their customers see all the blogs that are written for them immediately so it, it like the value of having someone else write a blog for you is is a little bit less when 99 yeah. percent of the done by a 50 dollar product
1: well, and so if you figured out, we talked about our, your ICP. have you figured out certain like industries or specific like use like types of users personas that are yeah, much yeah yeah the,
0: the, the coaches and consultants work really well. Um, they're they're highly networked, um, which is which is really good. And they also like they don't they don't love writing, right? So most, um, you know they love they love talking. Like a coach and consultant generally loves talking, and so we work a lot with them, and they also refer us a lot to others. Um. Uh, another one that's really working out pretty well is real estate agents. Um, again, they hate writing. Like no one hates writing. Like no real estate agent went into the business because they wanted to write all day. Um, but um, in order to get business in today's world, they do need to have an online presence and they need to be talking about their local network and, and you know just the ins and outs of buying a home. So those are some of those. Um, we've also worked with uh, you know some like Amway independent business owners. Um, that are like selling within their network, so doing like uh-huh. the multi-level marketing, social selling, yeah, yeah. So that that's like a that's like a really big one in a and hopefully a big opportunity on the horizon.
1: So, have you figured out any that are like really bad? Like they're just not going to work.
0: Yeah, startup founders. Um, like that. Really? I, yeah, yeah. Because um, are you pointing I, at me? What I'm pointing at you. you, you yeah. <laughs> a free trial <laughs> never got used. Um, no. Uh, it's it. it it's really bad for them because it doesn't relate to their needs, right? So uh, a startup founder needs, they're not selling themselves, right? For like a fundraising process, maybe they're selling themselves and they need to be a thought leader, but for their business to grow, they need, like, they don't need to be the brand. Like I know we all have an idea of the startup founders who do really have big audiences. Um, but most, most really successful companies don't, and they do just fine. They find the channels that work, they find the partnerships that work and they grow out. um, but because, because you don't need to buy them as much. So that was like a conceptual framework we were thinking about in the wrong way.
1: So it's interesting. You thought startup founders like me would be well, yeah, target because, market.
0: Yeah, because I thought about my experience. I thought it was like, my experience was like, I had to do a bunch of content marketing for all my platforms. But what our system really does well is content marketing about information that I know, not necessarily just general content marketing.
1: Okay. Okay. So what's interesting is you also started signing up customers. Like, you know, I first found out about you and your company from a random LinkedIn post, like you had a cool story that somehow showed up on my feed. And I reached out to you. And I'm like, Yeah, oh, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, and then you started like selling this after you sort of like, built the first version of it right and yeah so how how has the product changed over the last six months
0: the product doesn't break anymore (laughs) like every 10 minutes it broke before like i i had like we were doing like i don't know uh you know, not that much, but like 800 or or $1,000 MRR in the product would break every like five hours. Um, just because like we didn't have the redundancies in place. Like there was like working with AI sort of spits out random bits of code sometimes. So like things would just break. So I would say one, uh, like reliability and maintenance is really good. But then the other big thing, which probably improved the product 10 to 20 times in value is that we integrated with all the social channels. At first, we were just creating the content for people. And I kind of didn't want to be, you know, I love Buffer. I didn't want to kind of compete with them and like all in that space of sharing content. But like from a workflow perspective, it's so important. Like our business owners don't want multiple tools. Like big big companies and software companies, they'll, they'll deal with three or four tools and connect them. Our business owners, they're small business owners. They know things, but they want to get in and out. They don't want to be on this product all day. They don't want to be fiddling around. So um, being able to give them the questions that they really need to know, having them answer questions and create content, but then being able to like share out that content to them on their Facebook, on their LinkedIn, you know, on their blog, all from one tool has just been so important to them. That That increased our usage like eight times. Um, and um, and, and so that, you know, that the downstream effect of retention is going to be huge there.
1: So how did, how did you weigh that versus all the other things that you could have done, all the other features you could have built? Like how, how, what was your process of trying to identify that was the most important thing? And like all the other things you said no to that you could have done, like how did did, that just like you made the decision or did you spend a lot of time talking to customers?
0: So I, I always, always spend a lot of time talking to customers. Uh, But customers sometimes don't have like a vision of what could be done. And so you end up like planting it in there. The best thing you can do with an early stage product is be the power user of the product. So I use the product almost like we now have some customers who use the product more than me, which I'm really excited about. But I use it daily. Right. And so um, like what I realized is that like the most annoying thing for me in the content creation process, which is something that I was just learning how to do. Was that um, you know I'd create all the content inside Voice, but then I have to download the video, I'd have to copy, I'd have to paste, I'd have to put everything in buffer, and um, I just said this is this is crazy. I I hate having to do this part of this. Why don't we just integrate it so that it's a lot easier? Um, which isn't isn't a way you should do product development long term, but from an early stage product where you are like eating like, oh, yeah. using the product that is like a really good trick, and um, you know we've just seen the use. And it was obvious. Yeah, yeah, it's it it's was like obviously. Obvious, like, yeah, yeah. The, the things that you hate about your product, your customers hate a lot more than you do and they're not willing to tell you.
1: So were there any other kind of genius ideas that did come from your customers that that you got um, from?
0: Them? I would say that the things that our customers um w- one that we're working on right now, um we have a lot of English as a second language speakers who are using this. Yep. Um like like I would say that the our users don't like writing, but they need to write and that's like a, a general Um, that's like a general theme of most of our users. Um, So we've got a lot of people who like uh, for some reason, we have a lot of users in the Netherlands. And so they sell things in English. And so they're happy to record videos and share things in English, but they want to be able to record things in Dutch and then have them come out in Dutch or in English. Um, So, what's really cool, um, with open AI and with all of these models is that to be able to do that is really easy. So, um, we're working on that now hope to have that released, uh, probably by the time this episode comes out to be able to service people who either, you know, if you're, if you're selling your product in multiple languages, then, uh, it would work for you as well. So that that's been the thing that's come out the most. Um,
1: was that something you didn't, you didn't really think about going into this no. kind
0: of yeah, no, no, it's it, it, well, it's one of those things that, like, you, when you think... When you think It's like, obvious just, after they say it. Yeah, right? yeah. When, but, and when you think about it two years ago, right? Two years ago, it would cost you $50 million and, um, <laughs> like, 100 engineers in five years to do this remotely well, to do have, have a, have yeah. a translation software, have, like, reliable transcription software. So, like, it wasn't an option in my mind. And then I, like, someone said, hey, can you do this in a, another language? And I went and looked in the docs on OpenAI. I said, oh, we can do that. And so we signed up, like, I don't know, we got like 15 users to agree to be um, tester translators for different, uh, different languages. So uh, they'll get an email later this week and get, get to test it out for me.
1: I had somebody else on the podcast, and I feel bad because I don't remember who it was or their company. I want to say it was called Line or something. But um, it was like real-time voice translation.
0: Yeah, like, it's crazy.
1: Call, like you could call somebody on the phone yeah. And in real time, like if you're a call center or whatever it is, like in real time on you could be doing different languages and there's no delay. It's not like I say something, it takes a while, it processes, and then it says it to them. Like it was like real time speed, like a hundred milliseconds delay. We live in
0: like we live in Babel. It's like crazy. all the languages yeah. are gonna become one. And um it's totally awesome. All gonna be- like I, I can't wait to travel in, in two or three years. Like the tools that you're gonna have to be able to go communicate yeah. in, in like another language is Uh, uh, mind-blowing like you're gonna be able to listen like you're gonna be able to like say something like hey can you speak you're gonna you know it'll be rough but can you speak to me um for just a minute right and then it'll get the dialect of the person and then it'll repeat the like what you're saying to them not only in the language but in the dialect that they're gonna have and like you can travel anywhere then
1: right so what, what other um key learnings have you had over the last six months of doing this
0: Um, the, the biggest thing, and we haven't quite figured out how to execute on this is that, um, content creation is a lot like working out. Um, it is, it is a, it is a study and habit formation, uh, goal setting and execution against that. And so the more things that we can build in, this isn't like a product perspective. This is a mentality perspective, Um, the more that we can build in to get people, uh, excited about creating content, to see the long-term value of that, and then to like, give them the tips and tricks in order to like hack their mind to be able to do this. Right. Because, um, if if you're not, if you're creating content, it's not something that is going to, is something that's going to change your business in a year or two, like fundamentally, but at the beginning, it's going to change it a little bit. You'll see like glimpses of hope that are, that are like opening up value for your business. But in a year or two, um, you're you're going to see like a, and, and I'm sure you've seen this Matt, in your in your content creation. In a year or two, you're going to have uh, funnels of growth coming in because of the work you're putting in. But it's sort of hard to see that, and that's sort of like working out, right? If you start working out, uh, you know you're going to feel really good that first day. You're going to feel really good that second day. Uh, but how do you how do you feel good about it? Uh, a month in when you are seeing results but you're not you're not seeing them on the scale you're not seeing um, an X, Y, or Z so those sort of things are the, are the biggest things for us um, and then also like how do you get people in to, to know that they're going to have to do the work how do you give them the goal and the trajectory um, and and so that's that's like doing that from a product perspective is, is something that we're learning
1: well and I 100% relate to this you know I I post on LinkedIn almost every single day and I have up 31,000 followers now, which it's is crazy.
0: insane.
1: Um, a year ago, it was about 15,000. And you know, a year ago, I said, I'm going to do this. And I really focused on it. And how I do it today is dramatically different than how I do it, how I did it a year ago. Like the tools I use, the thought process, like I write, I probably write two to three times as many uh, things now that I just throw away. I just, yeah. they end up being drafts and I don't even post them. Um, but they're, they're, the style of the writing, all of it that is has dramatically changed. Like you're saying, like you're going, you're going to the gym, you're learning new things, but the, the other side and, and you get better and better at it. Right. And yeah. definitely as a influencer and a content creator, you kind of find your voice, you kind of find your niche, you kind of all those things, but you also, it's totally del- delayed gratification from 100%. a marketing perspective. Right. And we saw this at full scale, like last winter, I did a lot of marketing for full scale, and the company really grew a lot in like the first quarter. Had we, we you know, and that was because of the work I had kind of done. La, you know, fourth quarter of last year, first quarter of the year, and then second and third quarter, I I didn't do as much uh, marketing, and it definitely reflected in like the number of leads and stuff that we got. But it reflected, you know, ninety, you know, three to six months later, yeah, it, it was delayed you know, affects your sales pipeline, leads, everything else, but it, but it's always a delayed reaction. And, you know, that's why I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, how Q1 will go for us. been, been really trying to do a lot uh, more recently, but it's, that's part of the struggle too, right? You, you want to do this thing and you want to see instant results. And then a lot of us quit because we don't see instant results. It's just like going to the gym.
0: Yeah. I was, I was talking to uh, uh, a friend who's like a, he cuts down trees for a living. I don't know what it's called. Uh, but I said, you know, we were talking about planting trees because I was planting a tree and uh, I said, you know, when's the best, when's the best time to plant a tree? And he said like 15 years ago, that would be the best plant, time to plant a tree. But otherwise it's today. Like it doesn't matter yeah. what season is. It doesn't matter what's going on. And and I, I thought about that. Like that is, that is the best metaphor for, for business owners. Like if you, like the best time to build an audience was 15 years ago. Like, and, and there's no way, and most of us didn't, I didn't, uh, Matt, you probably didn't like you did it in some different ways, but like, the second best time is today. And, uh, you know, you got to get in there and you got to put in the work and you got to go through the growth cycles, but the fruit's going to get bigger and bigger as you go. So, uh, we just want to make it easy to get people started yeah. just get them building habits. And, and the more that we can build a community around that, it helps them grow faster if they have people to interact with.
1: Yeah. I always, I always think about it when I, when I talk to other people about this is what do you, what do you wish you could be doing five years from now? Because you're going to have to, if you plant those seeds and start those today and you're, social selling, influence, LinkedIn, whatever it is you're trying to do, building that following, it will be so valuable It'll be- five years from now. And maybe you don't even know what you're going to do five years from now, but you will have this as an asset.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and like and- a, lot of our, a lot of our businesses, they do, like, if you're in real estate, like you probably want to be in real estate for five years and you'd like it to be easier. Yeah. If you're a coach, like your right dream is to like have that coaching, just grow better and have more demand for that coaching. So like, you know and that's another reason why it it like startups weren't as as valuable as a thing like the time horizon is just like more well suited to someone who who wants to be doing the thing they're doing uh years from now but that's true of of social and marketing in general the people who are planning their flag and are are more consistent are gonna benefit more from their audience
1: well i've I've really enjoyed doing it and I I see so much value in it. I met with somebody the other day that was looking to hire a CTO. This was like three weeks ago or a month ago. And I was like, oh, sure, I'll post on LinkedIn for you and see if I can find you a CTO. And so I posted about it. Over the next three days, I got over 100 messages from That's people insane. that were interested in the job. And I just kept I, – I spent way too much time on this, honestly. <laughs> but – um I was just going through them in batches throughout the day, randomly when I had a few minutes and, and like, Oh, if this one looks good, I forwarded it to the guy. I sent him so many, I need to follow up with him. Like you better have hired one of these people.
0: But think Um, about, think about your first startup. The power of that. Yeah. Think about your first startup. Think about when you needed to hire someone early. Um, Like think about all the ways you look to do that. And now you can just make one post and you can get a hundred billion applicants. Like that's, 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 it's so (laughs) insane.
1: Yeah. And I met with somebody else. This was a couple of weeks ago that was building some kind of, had a startup idea. And I posted, I'm like, okay, a friend of mine locally here is looking for a co-founder in Kansas city in this kind of industry, blah, 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 blah. And somebody I knew messaged me that day and they're like, Matt, I built that exact same software five years ago. I know everything about it.
0: Yeah. And like, yeah. Yeah. So what a value. add! Is this crazy.
1: Has- the connection that you, you find, you know?
0: Yeah. And, to, and so the things that you focused on in talking on your uh, social, what I see from the outside is startups, uh, uh, like the CTO space. Um, and and so you've got to kind of pick those major themes that you're going to uh, focus on and you've got to be okay with talking about them for five or 10 years, right? Like like you you repeat a lot of the same themes in what you're talking about. And you know the, I think the fun part is finding ways to craft that message differently, finding ways to craft it in like a more exciting way and to get more engagement. And it kind of becomes a game once you start.
1: Yeah. Well, so I, you know, for everybody who's listening, definitely check out your company. It's insightvoice.ai. You know, if you, if you want some help doing content creation, it's a, it's a really slick product to help do content creation. What's, what's next for you guys? I mean, you, you, you have turned a corner, you're coming out of the trough, you, you can schedule the messaging and the content now. Like
0: what's next? Yeah, the, the biggest thing is is all the habit formation. It's so all the habit formation and figuring out our channels for growth. Those are our two things we're really going to be uh, doing. The, there'll be a there'll be a mobile app at some point, probably Q one Q two, that'll make it just a little bit easier on the mobile side um, to upload videos. But it's really doubling doubling down on the process, making sure that we're communicating or our expertise in in growing social across our channels and and just becoming a thought leader in this relationship business space is is critical for our growth.
1: Well, once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Gusto. If you're looking for an all-in-one HR platform, you're overdue to check out Gusto. You get every HR function you need in just a few clicks of a button. You'll even get three months free when you go to gusto.com slash Startup Hustle. Again, that's gusto.com slash Startup Hustle, or you can find a link in the show notes. Go switch to Gusto so your small company can offer big-time benefits without an HR department, and that is true. Um, These... Products like theirs are so slick uh, for employees to log into and have all the self service is really cool. So, um, yeah,
0: I've always my, appreciated my, using. My pitch for Gusto is that before, trying to hire someone in a different state before Gusto was like impossible for me. You had to do all these forms, oh, yeah. do all this stuff. It's so easy on Gusto.
1: Yeah, and that's a that's a real problem today with hiring a remote. It's so it's annoying.
0: It's so annoying. It's but really they annoying. handle all this stuff for you?
1: Well, so I appreciate you so much giving us your update about. Chat GPT and open AI, you know, you're a big user of it, and your and your company uses it and, and everything you guys do. Sorry you didn't end up being CEO for a couple hours there and we got it Sam been, back. But
0: it would, it would have been glorious. I would have put it on my tombstone eventually. But I guess <laughs> I guess they don't get that recognition centuries from now.
1: So again, this was uh Matthew Curtis today with Insight Voice. You can check him out in insightvoice.ai via a link in our show notes too. But uh thank you thank you so much for being on the show today.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Matt. Truly, truly a pleasure.
1: I always, I always love the Matt and Matt show. So let's go. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Yeah. Startup hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.